Amen. The more I get to know these folks and the more I am around them, the more I love them. And that's a precious thing because all of us have had the experience of seeing someone from afar in ministry, admiring them, and then when you get up close to them, you say, yikes, I wish I knew them a little less because their spirituality is just a veneer that covers a surface of flesh, right? That breaks out at a moment's notice. But the more I know this group, the more real and authentic they are and the more they bless my heart. I, I pastor, as Brother Charles mentioned, a church that you have to be looking for to find and then most folks can't. So when you see, you know, you, the, when they sing tonight on a platform like this and a setting like this, and of course, from here all the way up to the largest venues in Southern Gospel music, it's a blessing to hear them, but Two years ago, I invited them to come to our little country church, which if you put the address into your GPS and say go, it says, who are you kidding? <laughs> and they rolled up to that little country church out in the middle of nowhere and sang their hearts out to that country congregation as if they were singing in Carnegie Hall. I'm telling you, and that blessed my heart. It, it proves authenticity, right? when you don't have to be on the big venue to minister with all your heart. And our folks are still talking about it two years later, how they were ministered to. If you have your Bible tonight, turn to the second book of Samuel. Samuel, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And I want to say to Brother Charles and to you as a church, thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. It's a great honor and privilege to be a part of this conference. And I don't know how many years it's been going on. I meant to look back at my records. Initially, when the conference first began, it was in the month of December and then moved to the, to the first of the year. I don't know how, how many years it's been going, but all through these years, you've allowed me to come and be a part, and I'm grateful to God for it. I'm looking forward to great anticipation hearing Brother Herb preach in just a moment. I want to share with you a, a devotional thought tonight that the Lord put on my heart out of a text that I've known for years, I suppose, but I was in transit to a meeting that I was preaching over on the east side of Louisiana in the, in the area around Natchez, Mississippi. And as I was driving across the center of the state, this text began to just grapple with my heart. Have you ever had the Bible treat you like that? Something just get a hold of you and you can't shake it. You can't get away from it. And I knew the, the passage at hand, but I really had never meditated on it. But the Lord wouldn't let me off the hook until he showed me some things. And I want to share with you tonight just a few thoughts, God helping me, from 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, reading together to verse 25. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Strange text, isn't it? Trouble came to King David's life again. An old enemy, an old familiar enemy was calling him out to battle one more time. This is the foe that was uh, well known to David. He'd faced him first, his first military engagement 
as just a stripling boy meeting the giant on the field of battle with his sling and his five smooth stones. From that day to the day of our text, David had met and battled the Philistines time and again. But even that being the case, he didn't take anything for granted. Here's this old familiar enemy on the field of battle one more time, but the Bible says David inquired of the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to handle this situation? And it is the Lord's word to David that has gotten a hold of my heart and stirred me. I want to speak to you this evening on the subject, Footsteps in the Treetops. David heard this voice from the Lord. The Lord said, I'm going to read from another translation, then at the sound of footsteps in the tops of the trees, go forward quickly, for the Lord has gone out before you to overcome the army of the Philistines. Or one translation says, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then stir yourself up, for then Yahweh has gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. You imagine yourself in David's place. And this is what got a hold of me. I got to thinking about what that would have been like. David and his armed men. The Lord said, what I want you to do in this instance is not to have a head-on attack. I want you to flank the enemy. I want you to compass them. I want you to go around to the side. And then I want you to remain concealed in a grove of trees. Keep your sword drawn. Be battle ready. And here they are now, tense as any human being would be. With the, with the prospect of hand-to-hand -hand combat looking them in the face. And God said, now you stay right here, stay right here, don't do a thing until you hear the sound of reinforcements. And then, thundering overhead comes the sound of tramping feet as if a legion of spirit warriors were marching through midair. Now the Lord says, charge the host of heaven are on the field. This thing got a hold of my heart and I want to just speak to you this evening for a few moments, this cadence of an unseen army marching through the tops of the mulberries. I believe there's something here worth taking notice of. Three things, in fact, I'd like to mention to you. First of all, and this is, I think, the most fundamental truth of this text, there's more to this world than meets the eye. There is more to, David was allowed to hear something, but he couldn't see the source of the sound. Tramping, tramping, marching, marching. The measured stride of soldiers in battle formation, marching as to war. But when David and his men looked up to where the sound was coming from, there was nothing but open sky above them. Something, or rather someone was there who was invisible to the naked eye of mortal men. Now the most obvious principle that I glean out of this text and the experience of King David is that there's much more to God's creation than what I can perceive and measure with the natural mind. When you read verses like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you read verses like this, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Beloved, that's not saying that we Christians live in a fantasy world of make-believe as if we were children who believed in fairies and goblins. Hebrews 11, 27, the Bible says, Moses by faith endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is the level-headed, sober-minded awareness that we in this mortal world of flesh and blood are but one small part of a much vaster and more intricate creation which is together in its, whole, in its totality, not a fraction of the vastness of the Creator Himself. We're a part of a mighty big world, beloved. 
things that are way beyond our capacity to see or comprehend. There are realms and there are, there are beings that exist beyond our ability to perceive who only appear to us at times and in seasons when it's needful that we get a glimpse and with whom we can only interact by faith and under the protection of God's grace. There are angelic beings. Isaiah got a glimpse of them in that temple that day when he saw the Lord's train filling the temple and he saw those six-winged beings circling the throne of God saying, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. Ezekiel got a glimpse of them. He said they went straight ahead and they had four faces on each side of their head. They had the appearance of various beings. There are angelic beings like that. There are devilish beings. Revelation chapter 12 talks about the great dragon and his forces. Mark chapter 5 talks about, then there's God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth in comparison to whom all else is as subatomic dust. And the point is, there's a lot more going around us, a lot more going on around us than we have any ability to see and know. Even right here, even right now, what we can see and sense in the physical is only the tiniest fraction of what's really going on. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel got under a burden. God gave him revelation about what he was intending to do and Daniel began to fast and pray. For 21 days he did so. After 21 days of seeking hard after God, an angelic messenger came to him and said, the first day that you began to seek to know, I was sent with a message to you. And I was engaged by the prince of Persia. And Michael, one of the chief princes, came to my assistance. And I'm now free to come and... You see, Daniel had no... He's just in a prayer closet somewhere. He's just carrying a burden before God and fasting and afflicting his soul and crying out for the Lord to help and give insight. And the very first moment, he had no idea. There was a realm of activity going on that he couldn't perceive, but it was still real. And it's going on around us tonight in this service. You can feel the pew you're sitting on. You can see this fat East Texas preacher up here in front of you. But folk, there's stuff going on you can't see tonight. But it's just as real. I have read after born again mathematicians and scientists who speak of what they call the extra dimensionality of God. We live in, you and I live in a three-dimensional world. You can measure our world in three dimensions, height, width, depth. And if you add time as a dimension, we are, of course, a part of a time stream. We're growing older moment by moment. So you can, you can add our world up in those ways, that three-dimensional construct. But advanced mathematics has proven, I'm told, having read it, I'm not an advanced mathematician. But I have read after some of these born-again mathematicians, and they say, they say that advanced mathematics has proven conclusively the existence of at least 10 dimensions. Now we inhabit three, but higher mathematics has proven there are at least 10 dimensions that can be demonstrated scientifically. And if that's the case, the God who created all things must be in at least 11 dimensions. He's always gonna be in one dimension beyond creation, correct? Now here you and I are tonight able to sense and comprehend only three or four if you count time as a dimension. And yet the creation of God stretches out in ways and on vistas that we have no concept of tonight. Don't you think that must be the explanation for why on Calvary's cross 
in, in those few hours that Jesus hung there, he was able to suffer enough to equal hell for eternity for sinners? Because somehow, somehow there was an intersection of a dimension on the cross that we know nothing of. And, a, and an eternity of hell was poured onto that innocent suffering body of Jesus in the few hours that transpired in earth's dimension. Don't you suppose that's what happened? After the resurrection, when he met the disciples on the Emmaus Road and they sat and break, broke bread, and when their eyes were opened and they said, this is him, he disappeared. The Bible says he vanished from their sight. Now, he didn't disintegrate. There was no enterprise of, you know, Scotty didn't beam him up, right? <laughs> what happened? He stepped out of a dimension they could sense into one they couldn't sense. And then he went into a locked room with the disciples cringing in fear, all the windows and doors locked and barred, and suddenly he's in the midst of them. What's happening here? He just came out of a dimension they knew nothing of, and he stepped into a dimension finally they could see and perceive. Now, I can't go any further with this because I can't go any further with this. <laughs> right? I mean, by definition, this is beyond, by definition, this is beyond us over our heads, or as you and I might say, that's above my pay grade. Isaiah 55, 9 says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, as high as the heavens are above the earth. But one thing we do need to remember is we focus on 2022. One thing we need to remember is that there's always much more going on here than meets the eye. There's much more. The Lord allowed David to hear those marching feet to remind him that there's a world beyond this world. There are spiritual things and spiritual beings that are involved in our lives, and we ought to bear that in mind, folk, as we're trudging through our trials and facing our battles. There's more going on here than meets the eye. Second Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said, For which cause we faint not? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This would help me to not hit the panic button when life gets tough, if I would remember the sound of footsteps in the treetops. Second thing I want to say, not only does this text teach me that there's a great deal more going on than meets the eye, but this text also teaches me there's always more with us than there are with them. There's always more with us than there are against us. Now that quote is not found in this particular text, but that's the principle behind this experience. It was the man of God, Elisha, who verbalized that when the armies of the Syrian king circled his camp by night while he was asleep and his servant woke the next morning to go out and begin to prepare breakfast and he, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, saw enemy soldiers as far as, as I could see. He came in with a panic to Elisha and said, how shall we do? And uh, Elisha said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, that's a puzzling thing to say to a fellow when they ain't but two of you. <laughs> two of us. You see, you can number the host of the enemy. Given time and a calculator, 
You can number the host of the enemy. And you can number your own army and your own munitions. These are things your eye can see and your senses can calculate. But for the child of God, there's always a quantity that is beyond our capacity to measure, namely the host of the Lord. When Elisha said there's more with us than there be with them, the next thing he said was, Lord, please open this young man's eyes. And when God gave him the opportunity, the ability to look beyond the veil of the mortal, the Bible says he saw that the hills were full of the horses and chariots of fire surrounding the man of God. Now that was always the case, although that wasn't something Elisha walked around seeing with the naked eye, but he knew it to be so and he lived as if it was so. The child of God can say this, I know one thing, beyond my capacity to number or measure, the Lord of hosts is with me. The title literally means the Lord of hosts which is used in this, the, the title, the Lord of hosts, literally means the God of armies, plural. The God of armies. And what that reminds us of tonight is that we are one branch of God's military. We born again children of God, soldiers of the cross. We are one branch of God's military. But he has armies upon armies, unseen by mortal men, beyond our ability to number or count. A few years ago, our family, my wife and son and I were on vacation in Virginia and uh, going to several uh, historical sites, which was one of our favorite things to do as he was growing up, Civil War battlegrounds and things of that nature. And in the course of doing so, we stopped by Quantico. We went to the, the Marine uh, Museum in Quantico. And of all the things I saw, one of the things that, that tickled me was a, a T-shirt that you could buy there in the, in the Marine gift shop said, uh, bailing out the... United States Marine Corps bailing out the army for over 200 years. That's a, that's a little good-natured ribbing, I say. That's a little good-natured ribbing that reminds Americans that we've got more than one branch of military. And when you awaken the wrath of the United States, you get not just the army, you get the army and the navy. And not just the Army and Navy, but the Army and the Navy and the Air Force. And then you add the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard and the National Guard and the state militias and right down the, the hosts of American military might. The hosts. And you know how that translates into the Word of God. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 12. Set your heart on this for just a second. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. My friend, no matter who or how many are against you, the believer in Jesus can always know his pros outweigh his cons. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord campeth round about them that fear him, and he delivereth him. And that's good to know, but best yet to know is, if God be for us, who can be against us? And Hebrews 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
so that we may boldly say, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. I just want to say glory to God tonight. Glory to the God who sought us and bought us. Glory to the God who saves us and keeps us, who delivers us and defends us against all foes, who surrounds us not only with his amazing grace, but with his unseen guardians and his unsleeping sentinels. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberries, I tell you, I've heard that marching a time or two. Have you? I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This little song says that I'm safely in the arms of Jesus. Hell like a mother holds her babe. I'm safely in the arms of Jesus and I will be till he calls me away. Children of God, remember as we face a new year and God only knows what it's going to mean. Have any of you had this thought, Lord, I hope 2022 is better than 2020. I'm talking about better in the sense of all the, tr- the suffering, the trauma that our church has had to go through. I don't know what's going on here, but our church was traumatized by loss and suffering and death this past year. Lord, I'd like for 2022 to be a little easier to live with. But who knows? Who knows? I don't know. But one thing I can remember, I can remember that there's always more with me than there are against me. Hey, you recall this, don't you, children of God? When the devil fell, the Bible says he took one-third of the angelic host with him. Remember that? You know what that means? Two-thirds didn't fall. Already the guys in the white hats outnumber the guys in the black hats two to one, right? Hallelujah. But on top of that is the fact that the great God Jehovah maker and master of all creation, both creation that's visible to us and invisible to us, has declared himself unquestionably to be on our side. One of the big lessons of this text for me is that they're more with us than there are against us. And we could get some peace and joy in life, I think, if we would believe that and live accordingly. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. I read my text one more time from a new translation. When you hear a noise in the tops of the trees like marching men, go quickly to attack them because the Lord has gone before you to hit the Philistine army. Well, one last thing I want to say quickly. There's nothing more needful than to seek and submit to the guidance of God. There is nothing more needful. If these lessons are true, if if there's an invisible realm that is much bigger and more intricate than I could even begin to think of tonight and it's all around us and I'm just one small part of God's overall creation. And if it's always true as a blood-bought believer that there will never be a time when those against me will outnumber those that are for me. I'm always in the majority. I'm always on the winning side. If those things are so, then my business basically come down to this. I need to seek and submit to the guidance of God and trust him with the consequences. That's what happened in our text. I said at the beginning, these enemies were well known to David. He faced them many times already in his life. And yet he doesn't act presumptuously when it comes to engaging again in battle. He doesn't take matters into his own hands. He doesn't take for granted that he knows enough by now 
He's fought enough battles. He knows how to handle the situation on his own. He does not lean on his own understanding. The Bible says he inquired of the Lord. And then he did exactly as he was instructed. Now, back up just a few verses before where I began reading with you to verse 17. It says, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. Then our text begins, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves. And David inquired of the Lord, and this time the Lord's instructions were completely different. You see, here's what I want to say about this tonight. David had the gumption to know that the Christian life is not a cookie-cutter kind of life where you can just plug in little formulas and go through the same old motions over and over again. Walking with God and living in the victory requires an active relationship with the Lord whereby you seek Him daily and you listen and obey as each situation comes. We cannot afford to fall into the rut of religion where we just do what we do because that's what we do. We cannot afford to. We have to intentionally cultivate an active, ongoing conversation with our Father, speaking to Him about what's going on in our lives, and then listening to Him as He gives instruction and wisdom regarding what to do. One translation of my text says, So David asked the Lord what he should do. This time the Lord said to him, Don't march straight up. Instead, circle around behind them. Come against them opposite the trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, act decisively, for at that moment the Lord is going before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. Now, if David had been a Baptist, he would have said, well, we've never done it like that before. I never heard of such a thing. Play the coward and go around behind and hide in the bushes? Well, that's not even spiritual. But he had the gumption to do what he was told to do. His position, his place was to listen and obey. God's place was to instruct and then fulfill promises. And David had the sense to do as he was told. One of the reasons I think that often we get seemingly no response to our inquiries of the Lord over what we ought to do in a situation is that we're simply not willing to do whatever he says. We want him to submit his proposal to us so we can consider it Weigh the advisability of it and then let him know our decision whether we're going to do it or not. But that's not how the king of kings operates. I believe this with all my heart. I believe he will never fail to guide those who are willing to do whatever, whenever, wherever, and however he says. When we drop our conditions and drop our defenses and say, Lord, have your way, I am yours to do with as you please. To take the position of Proverbs 3 that I quoted a piece of a moment ago, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's a definite promise 
that God will unfailingly guide those who will trust him and not themselves with the government of their lives. The Lord God, our creator, our redeemer is more than willing to guide us provided we're willing to seek and submit to his will and to his word. Well, these are the things that have gripped my heart and mind out of this precious text. I, I just reiterate them simply like this. There's more to this world than meets the eye. And there are more with us than there are against us. And so there's nothing more fundamental, more necessary in my life than for me to seek and submit to the leadership of the Lord step by step, situation by situation. Beloved, don't let your physical circumstances or your adversities or adversaries distract you from these great facts in the Word of God. The fact is spiritual things are more real than physical things. Invisible eternal realms are more important even than the momentary and material issues that you and I are facing. So keep looking up. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep seeking the face of Jesus and walking humbly with your God. Because if you do, even though you may not hear the physical sound of footsteps in the treetops, you can be as sure as the sun comes up in the east that God Almighty has you in the palm of his hand and will sustain you in perfect love and sufficient grace all the way from here to eternity. Here's how the psalmist put it, Psalm 73, verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. What more could a person ask for? Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and after my journey's over, receive me to glory. And then he says this, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight I thank you for these verses in the Word of God, obscure, perhaps easy to overlook, but Lord, so many things here that are worthy of contemplation, meditation, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'd sow these truths into our hearts tonight in a way that'll make a difference in 2022 in how we think and live and the level of victory we experience. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Malcolm. What a tremendous word.